Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you as the next hour we'll dive all over the world. Uh, mixed martial arts and boxing, a uh, lot to get into. We'll start off last night with UFC. They uh, they are still on Fight Island. It was Corey Sandhagen, Marlon Marais was your main event. And Sandman was looking to uh, bounce back off of uh, Marais. He's done some training down here actually recently. Uh, pretty, ve- very exciting uh, matchup of, of two guys who can... <laughs> Do a little bit of it all, but Corey Sandhagen looking to bounce back off of a uh, a tough loss where he got really ragdolled and, and and put out by Aljamain Sterling, who right now might just be the best guy in the division. He just doesn't have a belt around his waist uh, to to prove it yet. But uh, this was a this is a very important uh, very important fight for the uh, for the young fighter from Aurora, Colorado, and you have Marlon Marais right now who was a top. He was there fighting for the vacant bantamweight ta- uh, championship. Lost to Henry Cejudo, and uh, you know is is has been on now and on a bit of a stretch of hard times because you had the Jose Aldo fight. A lot of people thought that Jose Aldo won that fight, and that Marlon Marias got the uh, got the empty nod there. And now you have this loss to Corey Sandhagen. So he's been on a, a little bit of a, a, a rough patch, but. You know, Sandhagen, who's still very young in his career, definitely wanted to make right for that Aljamain Sterling, and he came out with his gnarly wheel kick, spinning wheel kick, back of uh, hitting the top of Malmarais's head, second round, and pretty much put him out after that. I mean, he followed up with some stuff, no real uh, no real resistance there from Marias as he was put out, and just a great performance by Corey Sandhagen, who, you know, vaults himself right back up top to the... Uh, to the top of the bantamweight division. He called out Frankie Edgar, called out TJ Dillashaw. The Dillashaw one intrigues me. I think it's a fun fight for Dillashaw to come back to because, you know, obviously leaving a controversy, all of the the drug testing stuff and the uh, you know, the 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 rampant stuff that he was caught for for taking. It's a it's a good fight, uh, feet to the fire fight for him. I think it I think it proves a little bit more for Sanhagen. Uh, I would say the only argument you could have probably against it is why would you want to give TJ Dillashaw off a off a drug suspension that important of a fight? You know, do you reward him that much? Because if he beats Corton Sandhagen, then you have a talk of, a, well, TJ Dillashaw has to fight for the belts again. We know that he was just, you know, embarrassingly stripped for using performance and drugs. My, my only argument to that side, though, would be you know, look at John Jones. I mean, John Jones, when it came to his suspensions, when it came to discipline, he would lose the belt. But when he came back, I mean, it couldn't be denied. He was right back there up top. And, 
you know, if you want to talk about who one of the best fighters is at the lower weight class, it is TJ Dillashaw, uh, even with the cloud that surrounds him. Um, they've just they've shown a past of not really hurting people love that much. Uh, you know, some some mention of it was uh, Frank Edgar as well. And, you know, that's obviously going to be a legend fight where, you know, Frankie looked I thought Frankie looked pretty good in his uh, in his bantamweight debut where he took on Pedro Munoz. I thought that he looked good. Um, and so you obviously you beat a legend there, former champion. That's a big one for you as well. But uh, just overall, great performance by him. You know, th- it is interesting. You know, you have a win like this. Uh, I had some people asking on social media yesterday, you know, does is there a chance that he could swoop in there and and and, and uh, jump Aljamain Sterling? There has been some drama with Funkmaster uh, and this Piotr Jan fight uh, as far as Aljamain is trying to, you know, I guess get a new contract or get a new deal, um, which I get, you know, he is, uh, you know, this is the biggest fight of his career. So... I do hope it get it doesn't get to the point where he loses out on that because we have seen this in the past. Welterweight comes to mind where, you know, guys, you know, try and start playing real hardball with their negotiations. Uh, uh, Colby Covington comes to mind where they they feel like they have all the eggs in their basket, and then the UFC is just like, yeah, but eff it, we're move on. So they just did this with uh, with welterweight again, honestly, with with Jorge Masvidal, where Masvidal was the rightful contender at welterweight and they said F it we'll go with Gilbert Burns uh, now it ended up Masvidal ended up getting to swoop in on the last week when they were really desperate and they had no other options but look the fight that has to happen at 135 is Aljamain Sterling against Piotr Jan for the 135 strap it has to happen so hopefully uh, negotiations don't get too rough and it doesn't get uh, it doesn't get messed up enough to where we don't see it but Look, they have been. Uh, this it, it's not. It wouldn't be the first time with the way that it's been rolling. It's been, uh, you know, it's been tough with that. Where 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 some fights have been casualties of you know guys playing their hand a little bit too strong. Uh, other fights you had Edson Barbosa, Makhwin Armakani uh, for the uh, for the co-main event. I thought Edson Barbosa looked really good. His hands were fast in this fight. You know, he just uh, he he looked like he was getting the best of Armakani. Anytime that they were standing up, Amir Khani tried to uh, take it to the ground in the third a little bit, uh, but really was just trying to neutralize anything he could from Barboza. I thought it was a good showing for him because I like Barboza, just really one of the good guys in the sport. Um, I think he would have been probably proud. I think he probably, if you would step back and you would have said you had a night where there were two wheel kick KOs or spinning back kick KOs and he didn't have one of them, you might be shocked, but you know, he has really been in there with the upper echelon of the sport. And, you know, he's had a couple of tough losses back to back. So it's good for him to get back in the win column. He's so talented. Uh, he, he really is upper echelon. And I think in this featherweight division, he's looking good. Like, he doesn't look weathered. He looks like he his speed is, is adjusting to uh, to the division. I was a little bit worried when he went down here because he already looked really cut up at 155. So I was wondering, I was like, oh, how's he going to look at 145? I think he's taken to it pretty well. And I think that we're in a position where, uh, you know, a, a guy who's been as good as he was at 155, maybe he is a guy who can make some noise here and move up a little bit. It was a really good night for him. Really good showing. Uh, heavyweight fight before that, Marcin Tabara, Ben Rothwell. You know, a little bit lacking. It wasn't a... Uh, 
it wasn't like one of these ones you're gonna write you're write home you're gonna write home about. It was uh, pretty lackluster. A lot of fire knockouts in this one though, man. The the one though that is going to steal the show, and that really was the uh, the one of the night. That was Joaquin Buckley's knockout in the prelims. And if you haven't seen it, I'm I'm stunned if you listen to this show and you haven't seen it because it's it's been literally all over social media. I think Dana White came out tonight and said it was the most retweeted highlight that the UFC Twitter account has ever had. And I'll do this a account right now. Let me see if I can go to their account and see what it's at right now. But it was it was bananas. It was straight. It was like it's up to now over 80K in retweets, over 175 likes. Like everybody, this is one of the knockouts of the night. But the way like he throws this kick. I'm gonna like roll back the highlight. I gotta take the sound off. So, um, but he like he throws this kick. It gets caught. It gets caught, and he takes from his caught foot and almost uses it as like a, a holster. He jumps up and then like up kicks his opponent and just lights out. It was it was so nasty. Uh, I don't even know. Like it, it, it's like it's like video game stuff. You know, you don't see like like the uh, the 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 knockout by Corey Sandhagen. We've seen that before. We've seen guys get wheel kicks atop the dome. Um, st- still very impressive. And it's on any other night, you would say what Corey Sandhagen did was easily knockout of the night. Like those wheel kick KOs, they just don't happen very often. But what Joaquin Buckley pulled off. Truly remarkable, truly remarkable. So he gets his 50 Ks. So did uh, Corey Sandhagen, but really awesome performance by him. Uh, good showing as far as like the crazy knockouts. I don't know what's going to top it this year. That's one of those things where, you know, when uh, when when Jorge Masvidal had his five second knockout of Ben Askin, you're just like, oh, that's knockout of the year. Um, that's kind of like it is with this Joaquin Buckley knockout. I don't know what 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 could possibly top that this year. I I. You know, I I I don't know what could possibly it would it would have to be like somebody would have to like jump off the cage, uh, Showtime Showtime Peta style and and get a knockout for anything to top that, and yeah, it was just a really impressive move. You know, he said it was uh you know something that he drilled a bunch, just never landed in a fight. I saw Valeria Lareda from uh uh you know UFC uh, excuse me Bellator flyweight from Miami, uh, huge at uh, taekwondo and. Dan Hardy mentioned this also, just uh, that taekwondo type of style, uh, you know, that she's uh, she's landed that a bunch in in her drilling and whatnot. And uh, I just I think it just has to be set up for him perfectly uh, for him to do what he did to Impa Kasangani. But it was uh, marvelous, just a marvelous show. And really, really like if you're a UFC fan, that was uh, that was a spoiling night as far as like, you know, the kind of cool stuff you got to see. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a really really fun night, really fun card for the UFC. Uh, and next week moves on to we got Brian Ortega taking on Chan Sung Jung, aka Korean Zombie, which is a really fun fight. As you know, Korean Zombie never in a boring fight. Brian Ortega, you know, hasn't fought in a while. You know, this is his first time in the cage since 2018 when he lost his championship fight to max holloway so he's been he's coming off a knee injury we'll see what happens brian ortega but he's an absolute badass and then we have korean zombie 
uh, rolling on in this one with uh, with a two-fight win streak with Hanato Moicano. He's gotten a TKO win off of and Frankie Edgar. Really, since he's been back in the UFC, has looked pretty fantastic. Don't forget, he had that crazy fight with Yair Rodriguez. It's just uh, Yair Rodriguez had... You want to talk about like crazy knockouts, like knockouts you'll never see. That one that Yair Rodriguez had, that was back in 2018. I think I actually think of it, that was probably knockout of the year. Then you have the uh, Jorge Masvidal flying knee was probably 2019. And I would imagine this Joaquin Buckley is going to be 2020. I can't like you just kind of know when you know, like those things are just like, I'm never going to see that again. I'm never going to see an up elbow knockout off a fight of the year candidate. It was perfection, perfection. And you probably like, I don't know how many opportunities you have to land those. They just, they have to present themselves even with as much as these guys work on them, you just never know when that opportunity is going to be there. That's, you know, why these guys are so crazed and why they drill this stuff. But how often are you going to be in a position where you knock somebody out with an up elbow? How many times are you going to be in a position where you really do get the guy perfectly set up for the flying knee? How often are you going to be in this position where you can get the, uh, you know, the spinning back jump kick? Like it's, it was, it, it, those are the ones that just like, you, you, you're so glad that you're a fan of it. So, uh, looking forward to it next week. Brian Ortega and Korean Zombie going after each other. It should be a really, really fun card. We'll take a quick break. When we get back, we will uh, dive in a little bit to next week's big boxing match. We have Tiafima Lopez and Vasily Lomachenko. Probably the biggest boxing match we've had since the pandemic. Uh, how important is this fight? What will it say about the future of the sport? We'll get into that next. Welcome back, everybody. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. If you're tuning in this morning, you're licking your wounds off the Canes loss from yesterday. You know, sorry about that one, man. Look, we look to bounce back tonight. We, of course, have Miami Heat in action. Game six of the NBA Finals. Your Miami Heat look to extend this to a seventh game. That is a 7.30 tip-off tonight from Orlando, which means we have a 6.15 pregame show. Zaslow and Tommy Ty will get you set for all of the action um, very excited, very excited for your Miami Heat. And you want to talk about fight, what these guys have shown. This has been a really, really, really great series from them. So really awesome. So yeah, this is going to be the biggest boxing match that we've had. Uh, Tiafima Lopez, he is going to be fighting Vasily Lomachenko for the undisputed lightweight championship, basically. You have all the belts be, uh, pretty much being on the line coming up in this matchup. And this is a fun division. Like you have so many guys here: Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, Gervonta Davis, uh, George Kambosis. You have a ton of a ton of great talent, and all these guys are really young. There's still a lot of guys who have a lot of mileage uh, to go still in their careers. And it's funny, like Vasily Lomachenko is not old. You know, he's in his 30s, but. Out of out of all the guys in this division, he's almost the elder statesman, probably outside of like Yoriyoki's Kamboa. So it's it's fun in that regard that you have this division that has a lot of big names. You know, they're trying to get everybody fighting one another, but at least you feel like you have a lot of years ahead of it to to get all this stuff done. It, it, it's just a really really fun division. And so this fight upcoming, the, the only thing I would say is the only downturn to it with Vasily putting up his belts from WBC, WBA, WBO, and Tiafimo having the IBF. The only thing I would say is the the big bummer of it is I don't know how long Tiafimo is going to be at 135 to defend all these belts. And I think you could probably say that about a lot of these guys, is that as good as this division is right now, 
you have guys that are so young, odds are with TFL being 23, Devin Haney being 22, Javante is what, 25, I think. So odds, and he's already had issues making weight. Like odds are these guys aren't long for this division, but it's still a great division. Like it's just, yeah, it's just got a ton of talent. Uh, usually these guys are, are some, you know, usually the guys who are down in this division, usually uh, among the better skilled. So I'm a big fan of this, uh, this 135 division. It's fantastic. This matchup is a lot of fun because it feels like Vasily Lomachenko has kind of been the, the poster boy for it for a while. And TFMO has this opportunity to really take it over and take and, and put a, a new guard of it. And it's a hard fight to pick. I think it's a, I think it's a tough fight to know who's going to go out there. Uh, there's definitely some questions, too, because of Tiafimo's had some weight issues before um, of him being able to to go out there. and Is he going to make the scale at the right point? I think he will. Uh, they've been playing for this fight for a long, long time. He puts himself down. He's only 15-0, and 0, so it's not like he's had this vaunted career. But, Tia, but Vasily on the same side, he's not a guy who's got a big record either. He's only 14-1. and 1. So both of these guys... Uh, it's it's really just a tremendous style, and my my initial instincts are I'm going to lean towards Vasily to pop to to pull this out just because I feel like he's got more weapons in the tank to go towards. But the thing that does worry me is that there is that age concept. Usually, guys age a little bit faster the in the lighter weight classes. So, is that something that's going to hit him early on in this? Um, you know, and I do think that TFM was super athletic. I think that he is. He's got that wherewithal to uh, to to stick with Vasily. I don't know if he'll get too shook by the whole mantra that is uh, Nomashchenko and all that type of stuff. I'm excited about it. The one thing that you can say that you could probably say with Tiafima that he brings to this, obviously, is you know it's not just this pure size advantage that I think he is bringing into this fight. Um, but we have seen a little bit of uh, we have seen if you don't get caught up in the dazzle of the footwork of Vasily Lomachenko. Guys who have been able to remain patient, he has been able to been put uh, put down before. Not put out, but he has been able to put down. And so if he could find himself in a way where if if, if there are, uh, if he does find himself falling behind, uh, being able to put Lomachenko down would be absolutely huge for him. Um, so there is that. You know, he's got this opportunity uh, all in front of him. But it, it's so interesting to see a guy of this magnitude just rise up like this in, uh, you know, to take on a challenge like this at 23. And I think part of the reason of it is they don't think that he's going to be long for this division. Um, so it's almost looked upon as he's got to win this now to, to keep moving up. But he's also got this just beautiful, bright future of maybe being one of the future faces of the sport. Um, as far as like competition of whom they faced, you definitely have to give that edge to, to, to Lomachenko. You know he's 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 been in there with more names that you would say are, are quality points. Luke Campbell, Jorge Linares, who gave him some issues. Guillermo Regendao, where he can't completely embarrassed him. So he, uh, you know, he's he's had those types of fights where you're like, yeah, that that you definitely have. Gary Russell Jr., Nicholas Walters, like he's definitely had. He's the more he's the more seasoned guy. Um, there's to me, you look at a fight like this with with Tiafimo, like is he biting off more than he could chew too early? Uh is he going into this fight? Um is he going into there with with the type of knowledge that he needs, or is he gonna get schooled by a guy 
who maybe just has too many tricks up his sleeve. Um, I don't think that he'll get stopped. I don't. I don't know if he's going to be in danger of that. That's not really what we've seen from Lomachenko. Although, you know, he has been able to frustrate guys to the point where they quit. He has been able to frustrate guys to where he's literally dancing circles around him. I think that that for for Tiafimo, he's got to be in, in this position where he doesn't get shook by that. He doesn't get dazzled too much by it. Where he just kind of weathers the storm. I think that is what. He probably has to look for because it's probably going to be one of those fights where, you know, Lomachenko can make it look good for him, uh, can go out there and, and can probably um, dazzle some judges with some stuff. But if he can look for those openings and try and find this fight, I would I would venture to guess like if I had to, do, if you know, just on its face and it's tough, man. Like you don't have much of a resume for either one of these guys. And what I mean by that is it's not typical you go into a high profile championship fight and the these guys don't even. Uh, these guys have th- like thirty fights between them. Typically, when guys get to this type of moment in boxing, and it's great to see. I like the fact that it's getting to this point where, hey, we can get to these guys at fifteen and out. Like the last guy I really remember them doing this for, that was this high profile was probably Anthony Joshua, where he was like seventeen and out and had a championship, whereas like Deontay Wilder was like thirty five and out and finally gets to fight for a championship. So I like the fact that we're getting to more of this style where guys have, you know. More than a dozen fights on the belt. Okay, let's get to the let's get to the cream of the crop. We, how long do you have to pitter patter around it? So from that standpoint, I really respect the fact that uh, Tiafimo Lopez, his family, they're putting him in this position where if he beats Lomachenko, yeah, I really do think you look at a guy who is going to probably be one of the faces of the sport. Twenty three years old, you're doing almost a position like they did with Canelo Alvarez, where he took on Floyd Mayweather. Maybe it was too much. He bit off more than he could chew. But then look at him. He is now the face of the sport. He signed a $300 million contract. So if he is in this position right now where he goes out there, even if he doesn't win, if he puts forth a good showing, I I, I just think it's nothing but beneficial for his career. So I really, really applaud that from their standpoint. Um, But I do think he's going to go into this. He is going to be the bigger guy. He is going to be the guy who is more of your traditional knockout artist. You know, Lomachenko has been able to stop fights, but a lot of these fights are just kind of retiring guys. Like he went on this streak where, you know, guys just they they was kind of just like you know the whole Nomashchenko thing. Like they were just like I, I can't figure this guy out. We're done. Um, you know, we did see him stop Linares late. That was impressive. He uh, you know got a couple of decision wins against Jose Pedraza, Luke Campbell. Um, you know, so. But I, but I do think he's going into this probably thinking I, that he wants to. He probably wants to outsmart Teofimo. He probably wants to outbox him, um, and obviously probably wants to use his youth against him. So, but look, these are the types of things, man. Like I, I remember thinking of this when when it was Mikey Garcia. I remember the last time I thought about this, where I thought that the young, tough, big. Uh, you know, contender. I thought that he was going to get out foxed by the guy who was naturally smaller and the guy I thought of was a better boxer. I remember this very distinctly. I thought this with Errol Spence versus Mikey Garcia. And I thought that Errol was going to go in there. He was going to try and take off Garcia's head. And Garcia was going to make a miss, was going to rack up rounds. And, you know, that was going to be that. And what I saw, and I saw this fight ringside, and I just remember being so dazzled by the boxing display that Errol Spence put forth. I was just like, man, this guy really is the whole package. And so maybe we see a Tiafimo Lopez who, yeah, he's getting thrown to the deep end here and he's going to the next level, 
but maybe he's going to show something that we haven't seen before yet. And that's what's so tough to know. It's a tough fight to pick where you have a guy who's only 15 fights in at 23 years old. We really don't know what, what this guy, what's scratching the surface with him yet. So uh, check out the odds on this. See what the odds. Lopez, Lomachenko. He's actually quite the heavy favorite. Somewhere in minus 400, minus 500 in some places. So let's just call it minus 400. Pretty big favorite. You know, you got Tiafima plus 330 in some places, plus 320, plus 275. So, you know, Lomachenko is looked upon as the favorite here, but we just, I still think that there's this level with Tiafima. We just don't quite know all the elements that are there. I definitely think there are some red flags uh, with, with the lack of experience, um, with the idea of, you know, we've had all this time off in the, uh, with with uh, the training he hasn't fought in basically what's going to be almost almost a year's time they've both been dealing with that um so there's some questions of you know how have guys really handled well the one thing i would say with this though that's a little bit different is these guys have known it's going to be fighting each other for a long time now like we've been we've been having this matchup circled for a while so there's really no reason for you know, there was some negotiating stuff, but there's really there, there shouldn't be any professional reason why uh, fighters of this caliber should get taken off the path. I don't really think that with a guy like Lomachenko. He's a bit of a psycho. He's got all the drills and all that type of stuff. Um, with Lopez, I'm just not quite sure, but I think that he should be fine, knowing that this is a huge, huge moment in his career. I wouldn't worry too much about it. The question is, like, do I have the guts to pick Lopez? In this one. And I'm going to go no. But I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. I would say I'm going to I'm going to go Lomachenko to go win something like, you know, give me like a, you know, like a 7-5 round advantage. Something like that. I don't think it's going to be a lopsided affair. I think we got a good fight on our hands. But I do think that Lomachenko, I think especially early on, can get out front running a little bit. I can see the. Tiafimo coming on late. Um, I could even see him scoring a late knock, scoring a late knockdown to add some drama and help him on the scorecards. But I think ultimately Lomachenko probably runs out to a big lead, and that'll be enough for him to secure it. But Lopez shows it. But I think it's going to be a good showing from either one of these guys. Can't wait for it. We'll take a quick break. Some drama going on with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Samezies with uh, Conor McGregor may have his next opponent. We'll get to that next. Right, welcome back, everybody. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. We roll on. Uh, some news and notes from the week. Let's get to this. So there were some conflicting reports coming out uh, from Tyson Fury's camp where they're ba- look, the, the big thing that's been noticeable, Tyson Fury's camp looks like they're trying to, to, to buck this last Deontay Wilder fight. This much seems clear because it seems like every week, we have reports coming out of them trying to, you know, get out of it. They're trying to say, oh, they'll do it later. They'll make good on it. This week, we had Frank Warren come out and say the rematch clause is expired. It's taken too long. It's very clear that Tyson Fury's camp seems like they're trying to move on from this all happening. And the one thing that I got to say is, um, it is an interesting. It is an interesting deal because I do wonder how much they could, I guess, fight the idea of this rematch clause because 
you're not going to have your typical splits from the time that we're in right now. You know, you these guys put these contracts together. I imagine it was at a time where they didn't think that there was going to be a pandemic and you couldn't get people into the building and you couldn't have as many people there for what was a, a huge historic event. Uh, let's see, like the first fight, Fury, Wilder. Uh, let's go with uh, what their f- second fight did gate-wise. Their gate was their gate was almost seventeen million dollars for their fight. Seventeen million dollars, and I think that was like the largest. What was the record? I think it was the largest gate by a heavyweight fight uh, since Lewis Holyfield. So it's monster business. And if you're Tyson Fury and you're looking at this and you're like, "All right, man," but I got all my belts. I beat you this last time very convincingly and i i think i, I think in some regard you know that if you're deontay wilder i get why you got to hold on to this like grim death you know there's not really a fight out there if you're deontay wilder that can get the public back thinking you could beat tyson fury because if he lets go of the tyson fury fight everyone's going to want Fury to go and jump and take on Anthony Joshua. There's no doubt about that. All this belt stuff aside, that's where they want to go. Now, the only other flip side to that is, I would say, is I I don't know how much they'd want to do that fight either without being able to have people there. I'd imagine that's got to be one of the biggest things in British boxing history. You know, Tyson Fury, uh, Anthony Joshua, not only for the Undisputed World Championship, but you have two people from the United Kingdom fighting each other. I'd imagine on that side of the pond, that's that's got to be pretty bananas. Um, you know, could Deontay go and fight a guy like Andy Ruiz? Yeah, but if you were, even if he were to go smoke Andy Ruiz, what does that prove? I think the only thing that would help him probably in a case with honestly would be Anthony Joshua because I didn't think Anthony Joshua's performance against Andy Ruiz was that impressive. I mean, he did what he had to do. Like it was one of those things where he got like a, a he got like an early lead on him and then just kind of ran out the clock. He never really went for the kill. Uh, it was one of the things I was kind of disappointed in with uh, with Anthony Joshua. But yeah, Frank Warren had this to say. He goes, my concern is for Tyson's welfare and well-being, delivering what he wants. Uh, so he will fight this year. Contractual commitments are what they are, but contracts do not go on forever. And a fight cannot be if a fight cannot be delivered within a contractual period. Tyson will move on and revisit the fight at another time. Um, now he's not necessarily saying that he would. Uh, he's not necessarily saying that he would go and fight Anthony Joshua. Like you know, maybe he goes and, and fights. He fights another heavyweight, a Luis Ortiz, somebody like that, in the interim. But he just wants to fight. He wants to fight before the year's up. And I think he also has a fight deal with Top Rank, where he wants to get a certain amount of fights under his belt and and all that type of stuff as well. Um, Wilder's manager says that, you know, you know, Shirley Finkel has come and refute that it's going to happen in December, but in fairness, like, look, boxing is in one of these spots where these things take a while. Like they don't, you know, they don't like just dropping a main event out of the sky. Like, uh, the UFC, like the UFC will do that from time to time where they'll just drop a, you know, they'll do Kamaru Usman versus Hori Masvidal on a week's notice. And it'll be a big blockbuster hit. Boxing doesn't trust that. They don't, they, they, they feel like they have to do the whole dog and pony show and their corny ass commercials to get people to watch it. So it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I it definitely feels like the more the weeks go on, the more Tyson Fury's fi- side is trying to get out of it. And it goes two ways. Like, look, the fan of me 
would like them to find something new, especially if that leads to Tyson Fury fighting Anthony Joshua. I was one of these people. I I picked Deontay Wilder to win the last fight. I thought that he was good. I picked him to win both fights, quite frankly. Um, I did think that the uh, the draw was generous, but I did think that I was, but I was happy with it because of how the fight ended because it did end with drama. It ended with him nearly finishing Tyson Fury. So I thought it was a great, I thought it was a, a, a great way to go. Like you had the perennial boxer taking on the slugger and the slugger got him twice and nearly put him out. Um, I don't get, I don't go into the whole, oh, he came back and won the round. No, no, no. You came back and you hit him with some more punches. Good for you. You were, you were knocked dead and barely made the 10 count. So don't be stupid. I went, the, went and won the rest of the round. The, you know, the, the, the way it worked is you got your ass, you got, you got consciousness taken away from you, and somehow by the spirit of God, you were brought back to life. Uh, there's no winning the round. He, he lost a 10-8. That being said, he embarrassed Deontay Wilder in the rematch. I mean, it wasn't even close. Um, and if it wasn't for that rematch clause, it would, uh, you know, I don't think we would even think that Deontay deserves a shot again. It's, it's It almost seems silly. Now, is there part of, does Tyson Fury owe it to Deontay Wilder? Like, remember, if we can roll back the tape a little bit, you know, Deontay Wilder really gave Tyson Fury the shot. Deontay, Tyson Fury is kind of disgraced from the sport. He was champ. Then he had his belt stripped, ballooned up to 400 pounds. It was a big risk Deontay Wilder taking on Tyson Fury. You know, he could have probably gone on, gone on about it and probably cruised his way to getting to fight Anthony Joshua. Uh, he ended up doing the thing where he fights Tyson Fury. Big balls on him for taking that fight. Um, but, you know, from this standpoint, I, I just think we look at it and I, I, I just... I just think that Deontay has a lot of work to do to ever close that gap. Now, does he look at it and he has a certain guarantee for this fight and you get that guarantee and then, you know, right off into the sunset? Maybe, maybe, you know, uh, I don't know. They are pro fighters, so they got to make their living. And especially if it's, if it's guaranteed somewhere on paper, you, Especially we've seen these guys can be the, these promoters are weasels. We saw this with DeZone and Canelo. Like they signed to quote unquote the biggest guaranteed contract in sports, and they're already trying to back out of it. So you look, I, I, if you're De, if you're Deontay Wilder, I think you got to do probably whatever you can do to fight Tyson Fury so you get the most money possible. Um, but if I'm purely talking this from a fan's perspective, I wouldn't mind us moving on into a new direction so Tyson Fury can get to fight Anthony Joshua, and then. Look, if Joshua wins, if Joshua becomes champ, then I think the door's back open for Deontay because I think he can beat Anthony Joshua. I don't think he can beat Tyson Fury. Um, not without something going not, on. Not, not focused on his game at the best Tyson Fury. Could he beat a lax Tyson Fury? Could it beat a Tyson Fury that maybe wasn't taken as serious? Maybe. You know, and, and is there a chance he catches that? Uh, maybe Tyson Fury just thinks he's way ahead of the game, so maybe he catches him with a mistake. I don't buy the whole his legs were gone or anything like that. I just can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't jive with that if I'm a Deontay Wilder fan. So we'll see what happens there. Speaking of rematches, though, if I can bring it back to UFC for a little bit. So this was interesting this week. We had we had uh some news regarding Conor McGregor and uh 
he is supposed to now be fighting. It seems like we're heading towards a place where he is uh, he's going to fight Dustin Poirier. It seems like we're going towards that direction, which is cool. I mean, we talked about this. Uh, they, they were setting up some charity fight in Dublin. You know, Conor was kind of trying. It seemed like trying to stick it to the UFC, but also, I guess, do a cool thing for Dustin Poirier. Um, and they made it a charity bout for Dustin's Good Fight Foundation. But the thing I found weird about it was like, well, if you're going to get the UFC, if you're going to agree to fight Dustin Poirier, if you're the UFC, you're like, well, why don't we just do the fight then? Why don't you guys just fight professionally and we can still give money to Dustin's charity? It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. I know that I basically felt like he was trying to do a cool thing, but he also kind of just wanted to stick it to the UFC. So I want Dustin's... You know, I want his foundation and him to make a lot of money. They both deserved. But I think that it's, uh, but I thought that it was a little bit of a weird way to go because I think if you have the UFC finding out that, oh, Connor's willing to fight Dustin Poirier, why don't we just make the fight? So he comes out this week, and I guess the initial thing was that they agreed to a January date, but now Connor says that he wants to fight in December, which I see no reason why that can't happen. I mean, like, let's be honest. If you're the UFC, um, you don't know if there's going to be any difference between December and January of there being fans. Why not just go and have Conor McGregor fight Dustin Poirier? Uh, if anything, it's probably not one of these ones that is the biggest blockbuster fight of all time, uh, even though it probably should be with how good Dustin's fights are. But it's not Conor versus Habib. It's not Conor versus even Cowboy. It's just... Connor versus one of the most entertaining fighters in the league, but he has beaten him already. So I love it. I, I'm glad that these guys are fighting again. I think I like Dustin. I like Dustin's chances in this one. I really, really do. I think he's a different fighter from that last Connor fight. I don't think that he'll we've seen Dustin at his worst when he gets emotional. Uh the Michael Johnson loss, the Connor McGregor loss, um, the Khabib loss. Look, it's Khabib Nurmagomedov, and he even had a window where he put the guillotine in him. So I still think there are places where he can go, and uh, I think he's different mentally. I, I don't think that we're going to see a guy who's too shook by the moment if he fights Conor McGregor again. He's been in too many crazy fights, too many fights of the year candidates. He's been in there with the best of the best. Um, I don't think that this is going to be one of those. I don't think he gets overwhelmed by the moment. I don't. So I think it's I think it's fun. I hope that this uh, this fight does happen. I'm glad that these guys are insisting upon. But he is. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. It's gonna be one of those things where it says, let's see, these are the tweets. Uh, he says, "Hey, notorious." said, "Hey, notorious, what's up?" Connor responds, "Hello, Dustin. I have accepted the UFC's offer to fight you, but told him it must happen in 2020. I'm ready for November 30, 21st." Uh, given the recent injuries as well as the December dates of the 12th and 19th, I will still donate 500 grand to the Good Fight Foundation. Well, we'll get it worked out. Good man. We'll use the donation to open a boxing MMA academy on the side of town that me and DC grew up in. And uh, the tuition will be for the kids with good grades, which is cool. I like the fact that it's for something awesome. And I like the fact that Dustin gets a chance to, to avenge this loss. I think it's, I think it's a cool thing for him. Uh, other news that happened this week, GSP spoke out this week, um, and 
seems like he really opened the door to fighting Khabib again. There's this this thing that Dana he's apparently promised Nurmagomedov after uh, after he fights Justin Gaethje. I don't think that's Connor related. I think that it would be GSP. That seems like the thing that would make most sense. Um, GSP says that he's open to doing. He wants to make it fair. This is what he said. He spoke to TSN and. He's fighting at 155. I know I can go to 155, but the problem is I'm 39 now. Uh, if I have to cut weight for a long time, go down one, my performance will be compromised. I know that Khabib is about the same size as me. He's maybe bigger than me when he's off season. Uh, I'm about 185. So that turns to his advantage. If we have to cut more weight, he's used to it. So basically he's saying he wants to do something between 185 and you know 155 so do they do it at one like do they do it at 170 then i don't know i think that uh that's obviously that seems like the most logical awesome thing the the last super fight that you'd want to before i think him versus habib is from a skill set standpoint definitely one everybody wants to see um not going to be i think the biggest you know trash buildup of all time trash talk buildup is going to be super respectful between both of them but Still really cool, nonetheless. All right, that's our show for today, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, you got your heat coverage coming up today. Later on today, you have you have a 6-15 pregame show. Jonathan Zazel, Tommy Tiger will get you all set for all the action. And 7.30 tip-off from the bubble as the Heat look to make this a seven-game series. Game six tonight, and uh, hopefully they can take it. We will talk to you guys next week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.